0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Cheryl's Ford, North Carolina, with a very special guest by the name of Jim Cozy. Jim, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes,
1: sir. We'll sidestep it and make something happen.
0: All right, he knows what he's doing here. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your world and your company, what's one little thing that people don't know about Jim Cozy?
1: Jim Cozy loves to cook.
0: To cook! Oh, good! Well, what's for dinner
1: tonight? So my real specialty is Italian, but what I I enjoy the most is making something of nothing, right? So did you ever have your wife say, there's nothing to eat in this house? Say no more. I I don't know. My mind sort of works that way with ingredients and flavors and, and being able to throw all of it together. And all of a sudden, I've had way more successes than I've had failures.
0: Well, that sounds like fun. I think that's pretty cool. That's something I'd like to be doing more of as I get more time later in my life is learn to be a better cook and try different things. Sometimes we tend to fall back on the staples and it's easy and it's fast, but you're right. Sometimes it's fun to look in the fridge and go, okay, what can I invent out of all this?
1: I love it. It just said here, 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 here. Okay, stand back. I'll call you in about twenty minutes.
0: Well, we'll and have to uh, get together, and you can give me some lessons. How does that sound?
1: You got it. Let me know when you're. Uh, let me know when you're near Charlotte.
0: We'll All right, that. that sounds like fun. So let me give you a proper introduction. Jim Cosy serves as the director of business development for suspension specialist RideTech. He has over thirty years of high level business development in automotive specialty and television production industries. His career has included time with B and M Racing Performance Products, Superpress, Zoom. Performance Products and Hearst performance. Jim has extensive experience globally in emerging distribution and sales programs, brand positioning, and new product development. He was part of programs by Detroit's Big Three, including the original SVO Mustang, Oldsmobile's DRCE engine package, historic Ford GTs, and the Hearst automobile. He served as chairman of the board of SEMA and spent three terms on SEMA's board of directors. Jim's a private pilot who loves powerboats and helping his young son's budding race career. Oh, now we know how to spend money. Jim, we'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. They put some fuel in our tanks here, and we'll be right back. Give them a little love, please. Our pets are a big part of our family and we love to take them everywhere we go but they can be very hard on your vehicle's interiors. If you add the fall and winter weather you'll end up with water, mud, snow and a whole lot more that Fido tracks into your cars. Covercraft offers a wide variety of solutions to protect your vehicle's interior from fall and winter's rough treatment and Fido's too. Canine cargo area covers are padded for your pet's comfort and provide door-to-door protection. Pet pads have built-in features to keep cargo areas and seats well-protected, and they're easy to clean. Covercraft's quality pet solutions cover cargo areas, bucket or bench seats, and protects from the damaging claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, drool from permanently damaging your vehicles. Choose from a variety of styles and covers for almost every vehicle made. And here's a special deal for you Cars yeah listeners. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. What a deal. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you and making life a lot easier with the pets we love so much. Covercraft. American Collectors Insurance is my go-to for all my classic car insurance needs. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowners insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with insurance and and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866 ACI. Yeah, that's 866 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains, here at Cars. Yeah, American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang a deep gloss paint sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to AutoGeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's (laughs) AutoGeek.net. So Jim, we're back. So uh, I always like to say, let's dive a little deeper into the corner. Your son is a racer. You know all about that and the importance of that. But I want to talk about your career at RideTech because this business, this company, my goodness, you guys are involved in so many different things. And maybe we start with an incredible wide selection of products. You guys offer products from muscle cars, classic cars, late model muscle cars, truck corvettes, street rods, customs. I mean, you name it. Tell us about RideTech.
1: So ride tech is, is is what I what I call a, a typical American success story. You know, and, and not to be cliche, but it started in a two car garage with a guy with an idea and an unmolested credit card. Right. So that's how he started his business some 26 years ago. And he had a, a group of folks that he loves to tell the story that at one time in the business everybody could go to lunch in one dually, right, one crew cab. They could take everybody to lunch. Not so much the case today. Um, but, uh, the, the business had its ups and downs, you know, it went through the whole 2008, 2009 economic problems, came out the other end stronger than ever. And I've known, I've known these folks for, for, for decades. And in about 2013, they approached me about, uh, I was coming out of the, the television business at the time and approached me about joining the company and, and building it to, you know, I, I hate to be cliche with the next level, but building the company and running it forward. And I think in 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 his in, in the family's mind that at some point in time, you know, they they weren't going to own it forever, right? So so you have to prepare a business to do that. And with my experience in drivetrain and suspension over the course of the years, and and more importantly the the, the business uh, experience that I had, that, that that as you mentioned had, had reached. You know, globally, I looked at that as a as a a, a welcome challenge and happily joined them. Actually, started as uh, helping them as a consultant and working through it for a couple of years until we we had some real clear direction on where where we wanted to go. And I think the the story I always remember is that is that I, I went up there on a Sunday afternoon, nobody was around, took me into the into the factory, and instantly looked around and said this this place has got its act together it was clean and numbered and everything was in its spot there was no helter skelter going on around around there and i said this is my kind of place and so uh, helped them grow that business from where it was to uh where it really wound up i'd say in 2000 and uh i'm trying to think here 2019 when Fox Factory acquired it from the uh, vocal family. From that point, I didn't know, you know, the the folks at, at Fox asked me, would you stay? And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, I liked what I was doing. I liked the people. I liked the product. I liked the challenge. So that kind of brings us to present day, which RideTech today versus three years ago, is a the company has the same values and the same core uh, work ethic that you get out of the Midwest. The difference is, is that we have resources today that allow us to do the things that we want to and need to do in the market commands. And so those are the big changes that I see in ride tech today. The quality never had to improve because it was always top notch. The design, the engineering and how we did things was always top notch. And, and what we learned over the years is that it was very easy to take a mid-60s muscle car, for example. And frankly, they were terrible. They were just awful. The, the folks at RideTech, as they got into this business, were able to make vast improvement. I mean, vast improvements. These cars are completely different when we're finished with them. Or when the, when the, the owners finished with them and, inst- and installing ride parts, than they were when they ever left the factory. What we find ourselves doing today is I call it refinement. All right, you take a you take a new Mustang, for an example. In in the last decade, they're pretty good. All right, they're not perfect, but they're pretty good. And and the one thing that I think happens is vehicle manufacturers, no matter if it's a Ferrari or if it's a some other Chevrolet Spark, let's say. They have to build cars with compromise uh, built in because they don't know if it's going to be an 18 year old kid, a 40 year old guy or a, a grandmother that that's just going. to. So, so they have to build all these compromises. in. That's opportunity. And, and so we're able to we're able today to refine, um, uh, to take those little downfalls and make the car or the truck. Better than it was. It rides better than it did coming from the factory. It certainly handles better. The stance of it is, is better. And so it's, it's kind of like a, a uh, unspoken partnership between vehicle manufacturers and, and us and many companies like us that we, we take your product, our canvas, and we paint it into something that that, uh, you know, a, a good portion of, of the driving public wants to get into.
0: Well, no kidding. And we see this more and more happening as us baby boomers. And I'll say us because you and I I think we're from the same same generation, but even the groups behind us now that are, uh, you know, you always think they were kids, but now they're adults and they're doing well and they can buy the stuff they want to buy. And- how many times have any of you listeners gotten into a vehicle that you've dreamed of owning, an older car, and you drive it and you go, oh, this sucks. <laughs> this is terrible. It doesn't stop. It's It doesn't handle it. It rolls all over the place. But people are figuring out you can do this. And those that have some skill sets can do it at home, or you can take it to somebody and have it done. And I noticed on your website, you have a place where you've built numerous car projects. I mean, it it's a big list of some very cool cars. What is that part of your website about? Do you guys actually do the work? Are these cars that people have done and said, this is what I've done with your products?
1: So there's a mixture there. When when the vocal family owned the company, building cars was something that was normal, right? And that, in Brett's creative mind, he would go in there and say, I'm going to build something. I mean, I, the one my favorite one was an Obscure 64 Buick Wagon. That was on air, slammed to the ground. I mean, it was just nice cool. And and so every year we would build the company would build one or two vehicles. As we grew, that become that became harder to do, number one. When when ownership changed and the trajectory of the business was so high, there just wasn't any time. Right. And and so we got away from that for a couple of years. I'm happy to report that we're doing a—we've uh, we've developed a SLA short-arm, arm, short long-arm front suspension for Foxbody Mustangs. It's coming out here rather shortly. And the entire crew on the manufacturing side and the engineering side are building a road race Foxbody with this stuff in it. So it's, you have to work. It's, you know, all volunteer. And it's brought a spirit back of involvement back to— the, 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 the men and women that build these parts every day. And I'm, I'm glad to see that it's back. But yeah, most of that was we built as a history of the company, built a lot of cars over there.
0: Very cool. I also see on your website, you've got an industrial division. Tell me about that.
1: So, you know, being in the suspension business, you, you, would, you would be amazed at what needs suspension outside of our, our car guy sort of way of thinking. We've done, uh, we've done numerous projects, for our, our, you know, our war fighters for defense that are either air suspended or, or suspended on coil overs or both in some cases, a corn picker uh, that has, you know, thirty foot arms on either side, it, you know, each side is suspended by sixteen coil overs. I kind of like it, you know, and, <laughs> and when they build those, so we look at our capabilities of what we have and take the you know take the tunnel vision view of out of it right so we have a we have a tubing vendor that's about the size of a small bus that can bend a three inch bar wow okay so we build we build sway bars all day long but there's so many things that we can do that is a tube and needs to be bent same with laser equipment uh, we've got laser equipment in there now that automatically cuts and copes and And does all kinds of wonderful things uh, to make a good product even better. So the industrial side, and and there's also a a private label side in there that we build products, uh, specific products. For certain, you know, just for certain people, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that as your typical white box, lower cost product. We don't, we don't play in that in that particular arena. But it's very specific. It, it's something that's within our, our wheelhouse and our capability. Um, we'll certainly take a look at it. If it's good for the customer and good for us, we'll, we'll we'll try to do some business.
0: So, when it comes to distributing your products, is it primarily direct to consumer, or are your products available in a lot of different places?
1: So it's, it's an interesting mix of how we go to business. So RideTech started in the direct-to-consumer business. And that's, you know, they went to a show, they sold something, you gave them a credit card, they gave you a part, you sent them down the road, and that's how, that's how it worked. As the business grew, we have a unique mix of, we basically have seven, seven different distribution channels. Wow. So we have direct-to-consumer and direct-to-consumer live and direct-to-consumer via, via web sales. Uh, we have a, a very robust uh, distributor network uh, throughout the country. We have an even more robust dealer uh, network throughout the country that I think is tickling 450 now in, in the dealer business. And the dealer business isn't every day. It has to be a lot because it, it's, it's, they come to you when they're building a the car. A customer walks in, they're not stocking anything, but they're, they're, they're a great bunch of people. they build some marvelous vehicles and and so you know beyond beyond those three and those are our main three we have a defense channel we have a commercial channel we have a private label channel that that uh, uh that we distribute products out through so yeah we we have our fingers in in pretty much everywhere
0: Sounds like it. And I see in your website. If I want to get a catalog, you have that too. That probably goes back to your roots was the catalog industry. That's the industry I worked in for many, many years. And then this little thing called the internet came along, and we thought, oh, I think there might be something to this. And uh, lo and behold, there is. But you still have a catalog. Well, um, <laughs> define, I know. Define, I know why you're. I know why you're doing what you're doing. That's, uh, define defined catalog. So the overall print, answer. Printed is, catalog. Yeah, where you yeah, get the it. There.
1: There. Is, yeah. The overall answer is yes. We do. But it's not a 80-page, slick, glossy, the day you print it, it's obsolete product anymore. We uh, we just got back from the SEMA show here two weeks ago. And we printed a eight-page. It had all new products in it. It had QR codes in it. It had everything that somebody needed to find us, but not every blessed part number that we make. Part and parcel to that, at, at, uh, when we go to consumer shows or, or trade shows, um, we put a, a large ELO in there that hooks up to the internet and we can go right, if somebody wants to know something specific, we can go find it. The biggest thing on catalogs is obviously the, the printing of them and the, and the transportation of those is expensive. And And if there's one thing that changes, than what I said a little earlier about the catalog being obsolete the day you print it. It's just not the way you go to business anymore. I mean, go to market anymore. There are people within our company that would not agree with that. You know, I got I to gotta have this catalog to stick in somebody's hand. So I think we found a really good balance of, I mean, even if you found something wrong with, with the stuff you just printed for the show, you didn't print that many. All right. So even if you had to throw the rest of them away, it's, it's, it's not a big deal when you have, 50,000 catalogs sitting in on skids in the back of the the back of the warehouse and you have to throw them away. That's that becomes a little bit more problem.
0: Painful, painful. Yeah. So, well, I know that business did that business for many, many years. And uh, it's amazing how it's transformed and changed. And I believe the COVID years here we're getting out of accelerated that tenfold. Uh, to where now you see people even who are resistant, Uh, let's say the old guys uh, that like to get a catalog. It's kind of like books versus reading online. Now they are very easy going to the web and finding stuff and ordering it. And there you go. So, yeah, lots of cool distribution channels. You know, I'd like to ask you about what I call our driving inspirations. People or a person, perhaps, in your life that's been a a huge inspiration for you. Is there somebody in your world?
1: Yeah, there's been. I I mean, there's been there's certainly been several, but. One that comes to mind is um, an uncle of mine. I love my, my father passed away when I, was, when I was about 14 years old. Oh, wow. So I had to grow up right away and become the man of the house. We had, you know, here's my mom and myself and my brother. And, and I mean, at the time, my mother didn't even drive. And she did what housewives did, right? And so my uncle, who was a, uh, he was an electronics engineer for an avionics company. And he lived right next door to me. Uh, he was not always the easiest man um to be around but but uh uh he had this he, he never had any children i was it and he really did especially after my dad died he really did guide me uh or help guide me anyway he didn't always agree with what i did but this this was the kind of guy that you know at seven years old put me on his lap driving a 50 de soto down the road right yep. i mean that's oh, yeah. just he was a, an inspiration, but he was grounding for me because that, uh, that was quite a time in my life when it all came tumbling down in a hurry.
0: Can't imagine. Wow. Nice of him to step in and do that for you. That's tremendous. We'll take a short break and thank our sponsors. As we come back. I got the challenge question for you, so keep that in mind. We'll be right back. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, And be sure to use the code cars, yeah when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So, Jim, uh, if you listen to Cars Yeah, you know I always ask everybody about sharing a big challenge or a failure, and it's really more... About that lesson learned, although you got to walk through that uh, difficult time, but that's how we learn valuable things. So take us on a little bit of a bumpy ride. Like anybody,
1: there's, there's not just one. There's been many. I mean, thankful, thankfully, the successes have, been, have been, um, been more than a bumpy one. But I'll, I'll share a story that actually brought me here to North Carolina. And uh, I was born and raised outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Lived there a good portion of my my adult life, and was at B and M at the time. And I was recruited by Perfection Clutch. Now, for the for the guys that are in our our generation, uh, Perfection Clutch and the iconic Zoom brand of clutches and ring and pinions had had just fallen forgotten at the time. Perfection Clutch was uh, owned by uh, the Marmon Corporation out of Chicago, which was a Conglomerate of about 130, uh, 138 companies under one umbrella that before uh, I left there was then owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, that little company. That little company. We made everything from, and this is not an exaggeration, we made everything from from a railroad tank cars to can-call hats. I mean, it was that diverse. And so, so what they wanted to do is they wanted to revive the Zoom brand. And then they wanted to begin to build a portfolio of aftermarket, high performance aftermarket companies. So build the base and then go on. And and so, you know, long story short, I went down, I met with all those fine folks down there. And I just I really wanted to live here. And I I told them at the time this you know we got everything done except they wanted it in their office in South Carolina. And I you know, listen, I'm not looking for work. That's a deal breaker for me. And uh and long story short, we wound up here. And we wound up here just outside of Mooresville, North Carolina, for lots of good reasons. You know, in my mind, there was the clutch business and then it was the clutch business that we were going to to go and, and build. And the biggest argument that I had for Mooresville was I can put a pin in the building, go out fifteen miles and get any service, any coding. Any machining, any material, any, 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 simply because of the NASCAR presence here in Mooresville. Oh yes. So, so we we opened up we opened up a ten thousand square foot building here, and we started to go after the clutch business. The first part was to establish, um, reestablish the brand. Once we reestablished the brand, we we established the distribution that it would need. Then we started to build innovative products within the Mooresville unit. We started to build eight-inch multi-disc race clutches we built the first multi-disc street clutch that you could stick in your car and drive that wasn't an on-off switch and the reason was at the time i mean 500 horsepower out of the factory wasn't a big deal and these cars were driving right through it so we made we made our mark and we were going along just making things happen we took the thing from zero to a lot in one year we kept growing the second year and then the third year gas hit four dollars a gallon in atlanta georgia i mean that spread like wildfire and honestly it was like somebody cut the phone lines it just stopped and we managed to keep going for about another year and a half but we just we hadn't reached critical mass and we we just couldn't outrun the economy at that time. And the sad part is, is that that I had assembled a group of people here that were just amazing, right? And just no wasn't in their vocabulary, can't wasn't in their vocabulary. And we made five years worth of items happen in, in two, two and a half years. And, and the business showed that. Well, under a corporation the size of Berkshire Hathaway, we were we were rounding dust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the, the sad part of the story was it, 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 moved back down to, um, it moved back down to South Carolina. They told me, said, look, we, we have a place for you. Come. And I just said, no, I didn't want to do it in the beginning. I don't want to do it now. And the funny part is it's like, it started out in the ground. We rose it. We rose the up above the ashes And today it's back down in the ground. That one hurts for the amount of time and work and effort and all the effort that those folks put in. And and, uh, we certainly tried to make sure that that nobody, you know, nobody got hurt uh, in terms of employment. We were able to place a bunch of people around this area because, I mean, they were they were so talented and and there was there was a bit of a need at the time. So so that all worked. But that one that one was a. I probably could give you a hundred of them, but that one, that one sticks.
0: Well, isn't it amazing how one thing can tumble everything and boy, are we repeating history? I think fuel prices, um, I don't know that, and maybe they, I think they know it now, the world or people know it now, how little blips, I mean, 50 cent blips, and they're not little, but dollar blips or more, as we've seen, it affects everything. And you look at what we're dealing with now financially in the country and you know you can't ignore that you just can't because it it just wipes out everything it makes everything difficult and uh i don't understand well i guess we could go down that path but we're not going to today because it gets political but uh, but, but, but I, do to, I do want
1: to say one thing here's the difference okay in 2008 when it hit four dollars a gallon i mean things just shut off. this time around when it hit four dollars a gallon, or five dollars a gallon, or six dollars a gallon, whatever you or seven
0: fifty in California, depending
1: <laughs> on where you were in the country, right? We felt a slowdown in business, but we weren't going out of business, right? And that, that's not just ride tech. I mean, talking to my contemporaries throughout the industry, you know, everybody kind of seen the same thing. So you had you had roughly what two years of stimulus money, right? Which just just made everybody's business go off like a rocket and i i kept telling our guys in the sales department i go don't don't don, don't get used to this <laughs> right yeah. there's gonna be a time and i can't tell you when i wish i could But this is going to slow down and sort of gas prices started going up and that sort of thing. So we we felt it. But um, there wasn't there wasn't the the giant crater that we had back in 2008.
0: Yeah. Well, there was a lot of other things going on then, too. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. But uh, those are stories for another day that could consume a lot of time for us here. I want to talk about something more fun, and that is special vehicles in your life. Is there one car that really stands out for you?
1: Um, I, I think the
0: car that stands out to me
1: is my, uh, it's, it's not my, it wasn't my first car, but it was my first real car. So I mentioned earlier that my father had passed away and, and I was in high school taking academic courses in the morning and, and taking tech school in the afternoon. And I happened to be in the paint and body program at North Monco Tech. I had gone out and I had purchased a 67 Camaro, dark blue, uh, white vinyl top, light blue interior, four-speed 327. Remember that car that was yesterday. And it was okay. It was rough. And I spent my entire 15th year of life restoring that car at school. And uh, I remember it so we refinished everything and uh, motor motor part was fine and it it was looking pretty good. I, I remember that we were we were getting to a spot where a it was time to get a driver's license because you had to be 16 in Pennsylvania at the time. Yeah, the car was about finished. I had a date Friday night, first date with the scout, and so the permit shows up on Wednesday. We skipped school Thursday and go down to the you had to, you drove a course in Pennsylvania at the time. I go down there, this thing wasn't twenty four hours old. He so hands me my driver's license and went into how I got to drive so well. That's a that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and picked up my car that morning, that Friday morning, and off I went. The rest was history. So that one that one sticks. I've had I've had a lot and I'm sure as you have, you know, you sold one to get the next one. And I and, and the whole line of those things. I wish I had them all, but uh, it didn't. It didn't work that way. But that one's pretty special.
0: Well, gosh, 67, 68 Camaros were just cool. I mean, those were the the eras, you know, nice cars. <laughs> very didn't plush. do much
1: very well, but go straight. But they were they were nice cars.
0: Well, but I know a company. I think it's called Ride Tech, that can make it handle a lot better. So it's kind of it's kind
1: of strange, right? I, I mean, I look at I look at guys in our generation. And having gone through all these cars, I'm thankful to be alive, right? Because <laughs> yeah. some of the dumb things that we did with those cars in the day, I didn't realize how, how bad how bad they were. And then, yeah, and then doing what we're doing today to, to make sure that uh, uh, people don't have to go through that anymore.
0: Well, I think about my first car it was a 67 Chevy Nova, and it had, yeah. it had lap belts. You know, but if you hit something, your face went right into the steering wheel. So yep. you know, not not too good. And the same with my second car, which was a sixty seven, I was a trend here, sixty seven Carmeghia, uh, same kind of thing. So uh yeah, none of those three points yet. So I'm gonna be a car psychologist today. I've got a doctorate in this uh in this medical field. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. Uh if you were reincarnated, if you were manifest as a vehicle, Jim, what would you be and why?
1: So I thought about this one a little bit. It would be a it would be an original Ford GT40,
0: <laughs> and
1: and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So you know we talked a little bit earlier about this area and the, the craftsmen that are here and just the, the the slew of talented people. There was a there is a gentleman about six miles over here by the name of Kenny Thompson, and Kenny worked in NASCAR for in Winston Winston Cup at the time for many many years. Very talented fabricator. And at some point, I don't recall the date, but at some point in time, the folks that were at Tom and Moody, if you remember that name, sure. the assets of that company were auctioned. Uh, it, it, just, it was whatever was ever left. And Kenny wound up with enough original pieces to build seven original GT points. What? He had the uprights. He had all the, 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 the drawings for that thing were as big as wow. his room.
0: Holy cow.
1: And Kenny went out and he rounded up six people that wanted a GT forty and he built all, all them in his shop over here in Denver, North Carolina. And besides the raw power, what amazed me, I would go over there and just sit and watch what he was doing and stare at these cars. They weren't that good. <laughs> they were they were pretty rough. You know, what the they race cars. <laughs> they were race cars. I mean and, and and they used, I think, the engineering that they had available at the time when kenny built these cars he improved nothing nothing they were just the way i mean they had a had a wiper motor out of a b17 and that's 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 exactly how authentic that was but to sit in one of those things and listen to it snarl and, and i got i was fortunate enough to go down the road and one yeah that could be me kind of a little rough around the edges yeah a lot of power it's all it's all okay it, it works
0: yeah those, are, yeah, those are just insane. And now, of course, we've got Superformance super building replicas of those things much, much better that I've driven a Superformance super GT40. I've, I've driven a real GT40 and, yeah, old car, old car, very crude, uh, old, great. dangerous cars. I mean, that's why some of those guys died or were severely injured racing those. But uh, you got to love them. So just like you, Jim, got to love you. Rough around the yep. edges, but got to love you. How about a great book you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I, the last book I read is, is um, "No Rules Rules," and "No Rules Rules" is about the rise of Netflix. And if, if anybody has followed, the, you know, it's a it's a it's a 15 years I think or 16 years around. But it, it it's like, and we I think we see more of this today in dis- disruptors in industry and. You know, I, I had Blockbuster at the time was, I don't know, $6 billion in, in annual sales. And, and four years later, they were bankrupt. And so the part about this that, that amazed me in this book was two things. At the minute you think you have your arms around a given industry or product, you're done because they're, they're coming for you, right? You, you always got to keep evolving. The second part is, is that, and, and this is the part where management styles change. Right. So there was a time when you went to work every day and you wore a, a tie and a shirt and a jacket. And then there was a time every day today, you don't even have to go to work. You can work in where you are. But they, they, they practice things like there is no vacation policy. You need off, take off. Right. There is no expense reports. If we can't trust you to work here, then you probably shouldn't be working here. So it, it to me, it, it disrupted. The marketplace in that particular marketplace, and it disrupted the management, the way people manage other people, and I, I think that it, it sort of fits my management style uh, uh, quite nicely. In that, I, I especially at Zoom when we had to watch everything, and I would explain to folks when they had a when they had a challenge, um, I'd go on a board and I would draw a box and I would draw an arrow in and an arrow out. Okay, and and so. The, the arrow in was the was the project. The arrow out was the result. The box was the parameter. I said, I'm not going to tell you how to get from here to here. Just stay in the box. Make sure I don't go to jail. Don't make us broke. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about it at the end. Now, I may have some suggestions. Maybe none. Maybe some. But to me, to this day, it's always about helping people grow within what they do. And especially, especially young people coming up. I think that that when you start looking at, at college today, um, and I watch I watch what they're teaching. My, my son studies business management, and I look at some of the stuff that they're teaching, and I'm going, kidding me, <laughs> you're never going to." But that's how it is, and and so I I, I always feel I, I remember this this 23 year old kid walking into Hearst Performance thinking he knew more than he really did and and there were such great mentors in my business life there that 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 taught me and guided me to where i had these these business successes over the, over the course of my life i i feel very strongly about about giving back to that and and at, at Right deck we have a young crew and so i'm the og and uh i get to dispense wisdom once in a while and <laughs> Hopefully I'm right and people learn from it. So those are the kind of things that I look at from a a giving back. There's a few small businesses um, and startups around here that I've I've worked with a little bit. You know, just I, I like to say, just keep you from stepping on a landline. Right. Let's just let's just make sure you get through. Nobody knows your business like you do. And let's just let's just keep you on the right path.
0: Yeah, great book, No Rules, Rules, uh, Netflix by Reed Hastings. And uh, I think it was Meyer, Er Aaron Meyer, I think is the other author of that book. Um, Yeah. Entirely different mindset which is so crucial. And uh, we had a lot of nice, Jim and I had a nice long talk before we started the show and about old world versus new world and new working styles. And he and I work from home and having the discipline to do that. And sometimes having the discipline to know to when to step away too. So uh, yeah, I think uh, when we're done today, I'm going to be taking my neighbor's dog for a walk to step away, get some fresh air. So that's (laughs) a good. (laughs) After after all this time of talking to me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm taking some wisdom from, from a, you know, up here so uh you, you have a great value
1: uh, you know you, you might be surprised that dog may give you more wisdom than I can <laughs>
0: <laughs> sometimes he does he's a good listener, that's for sure. But, so let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to buy you any car in the world. you can take it anywhere and you can take anybody, even somebody from the past, which makes hm interesting conversation speaking of uh what does the ultimate drive look like for you
1: It's in a mercedes Gullwing.
0: wing ooh nice okay
1: um has been my has been my absolute favorite car since I can remember and based on on my past and and what I do today the passenger would be and i i know this is going to sound cliche and i don't mean it to be but the passenger would be Roger Penske nice and and i i i've watched him for for years i mean back when he had a Chevrolet a little small Chevrolet dealership in uh, in Philadelphia the view of him has never been far away from me in how he those things. He, he's created a recipe for success, and it doesn't matter the business. He just applies the recipe. He finds good people, and he lets them do what they do. And and you can pick an industry. You can pick. I mean, everything from from selling Chevrolets to, to building diesel engines to you know now owning and running the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, the fact that they're not too far from here doesn't doesn't hurt. I get to go over there once in a while, but yeah. Uh, that would be a, that would be an amazing road trip. I would be driving. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be pretty darn cool. I like that very much. Yeah. With the captain. What a guy. Well, you've taken us on a very fun drive today. I want to thank you for spending some time with me. Could you leave us with uh, some words of inspiration or a success quote?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think this, and, and I, I share these same words with the people that, that I try to mentor my, my own children Unless you you know, you hit the, the two billion dollar lottery or you're extremely wealthy to begin with, work is something that you're going to have to do in your life. And that sounds like it's almost draconian and it's not. Work is what you make of it. And if you do what you truly love and what you have a passion for, you won't be going to work. I mean, this is this has driven me. This is, uh, I think he said in the beginning, 30 years, it's, it's almost 40. I started this and I've never done anything else that, that, that in the parts business and the, and and the engineering part of it, and even the television production business had to do with what we do here. It had to do with the automotive aftermarket. I never had any regrets. I'm sure there was a day or two. I didn't want to get up on Monday morning, but they're very, very few. And, and so the attitude of how one approaches what you do every day and what you want to accomplish, there is nothing that you can accomplish if you set your mind to it. So for you know, our, our younger listeners here that look at this industry, this industry is, is you may hear people just, uh, describing this demise. It's changing. It's, listen, my, my mother wondered why I didn't go get a real job when I started at Hearst in 1980 or 1979, because you know the, that high-rod thing isn't gonna last. Well, here we are four years later and it's still here. And it's always, always, always gonna have challenges. And it's going to take the next generation of leadership of young people to men and women to come in and drive this thing, drive this this industry, if it's going to continue to go on. I had an observation at the SEMA show, in that I was talking with some of the board and and the chairman of the board after the banquet at SEMA, and the one thing I noticed is I said, "You guys are kids, you know. I mean, you're just just young people." But that's the way that has to work, you know. I, t- I told uh, James Lawrence, who's the chairman of the board right at the moment, I said, "You guys have challenges I could have never thought of." And when I was chairman, and I was chairman in 2008, by the way, when we talked about the economic, that was, it wasn't a you know, downturn; that was a crater. Um, and things that I had to do as as leader of that organization weren't fun, and they weren't popular. But you had to do them. So I think every generation, and I, I, I say all the time, I had my turn; it's somebody else's turn, and, and we need somebody to keep progressing. To, to keep any, any entity not just not just seamless but to keep it relevant and, and moving forward.
0: Absolutely. Well said. How can people learn more about RideTech?
1: So, RideTech.com is chock full of information um, from product to ordering to uh, tools in the back on how to, how to set shock height, how to set what springs you need. Um, how to look and calculate motion ratio. Um, we have a crack sales team. Uh, the toll-free number is on there. You can, you can call them at any time and and get some help with what uh, uh, whatever your, your your problem you're facing might might be.
0: Listeners, check out ridetech.com. Uh, pull up a nice drink because you're going to be there a while. There's some cool stuff on that site to check out. And check out that build part of their site with all the cool rides they built. Uh, There's some very special vehicles there. And I want to say a thank you to uh, a mutual friend of ours, Mark Osmondson, who put us together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He has brought some great guests since he's been a guest on the show. So, Mark, thank you for uh, bringing Jim to the show. You know all the cool people, my friend, so that's pretty <laughs> cool. Jim, thanks for being so generous today with your, your time and your expertise and sharing your wisdom. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. This was great. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah!